so I don't know if you've noticed um, or not in your family, but there is a discrepancy that exists. Um, there's a discrepancy between uh, maybe how you intended to be as a father, for those of you who are fathers, and, um, and how, you, uh, how you actually are as a father. There's a discrepancy that exists between how you envisioned yourself um, being a wife or a mother and, and how you actually are in that role. Um, there's a discrepancy between how your older parents, for those of you who have parents who are getting older, um, how they envisioned their relationship with you and how the relationship has actually turned out. Um, there's a discrepancy between what you envisioned for those of you who are married when you stood at the altar and said those vows and imagined what your marriage was going to be um, and how things have turned out. And why is that? Because we all have the best of intentions. Um, some of you had a real clear picture from your old family. And when I say old family, I mean from your family uh, growing up that you had, you had some real clear pictures of exactly what you did not want your family to be. And you went to great lengths to keep your new family from being like your old family. But yet as time seems to progress, you start to see traces of your old family appear in your new family. And why is it that everybody can agree um, that one of the most important aspects of uh, a marriage and of a family that is a whole family unit, unit is communication. But yet one of the primary things that people talk about having issues in their marriage is we don't communicate and we can't communicate. I mean, we're committed conceptually to the idea, but when it comes to practically and how it actually works out, we fall short. It doesn't happen. And we find ourselves within the cycle of things going on, especially when there's a lack of communication, that things happen and, and, and it's just, they keep happening and happening. And you find, yourself, um, you find yourself apologizing for the same thing over and over and over and over again. And the same kind of argument and struggle keeps coming up over and over. And maybe, maybe we don't apologize. Maybe some of us are finding excuses for the same thing over and over and over again. And there isn't anything new, but we can't just, we just seem to not be able to like break out of the cycle of that same thing and over and over. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. You overcome whatever problem that is. There's new problems awaiting. <laughs> it's not a fix this once and everything's gonna be easy, but we don't even get to the new problems because we're stuck in the cycle of the old problems. And every time we apologize, well, we, that's general. Let me say for me, every time I apologize, for that thing again and again and again. When I'm apologizing, I mean it with all of my heart. But yet, shortly after the apology, there's this tug, this gravitational pull on me to kind of return to that thing, that thing that I apologize for, that thing that I don't wanna be a part of, the thing that causes so many issues and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one that experiences this phenomenon. And, and you don't even understand it yourself when it's happening. You don't even understand why. And, and for, for those of you 
who excuse and excuse everyone and blame everyone in your family. Like, mm. I mean, come on. Everyone in your family, if you're blaming your thing on them, the reason that you can't is because they, and the reason that I always is because they, and when they, it makes me. And, and if this is the, the cycle you're in, know that everybody in your family has done everything that they can do for you to not do that thing that you continue to do. And in fact, I would challenge you to point to one behavior in your life, if you're a blamer, if you like to say this is why and put it on other people, I would challenge you to point to one behavior in your life that you have changed because the person you blamed stopped doing the thing that you said caused you to do your thing. I'm not going to wait for any responses now because, first of all, I know they're not coming. But if you can prove me wrong, send me an email this week. But what is that? And for some of, some of you, it's as, if, it's as if somebody or something like takes over your body. And you can feel like things just change when it comes to interacting with family. I mean, for some of you, it's as if when you're driving home, the closer and closer you get to the house, the more the dark cloud seems to gather above you. And when you pull into the driveway, you think, oh, I love these people. I do not want to see these people. <laughs> right? Oh, here comes, here comes the spouse that I love. I hope they don't want to talk to me. And what is that? What is that thing? What, what is that about? And we talked last week, as we started getting into this aspect of the series, we talked last week about part of the issue is family traditions that you inherited growing up, things that were passed down to you. And we're gonna see today that some of these traditions are so strong that there's a new, there's a different word attached to them. And it's not traditions that were handed down it's that some of these are so strong, it's because we were trained in them. We were trained. They weren't just in a moment of time handed down saying, you know, son, daughter, this is a tradition that we have. Let me hand it down to you and you can have it. No, 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 no. This was as you were growing up, years and years of training. And then we carry them with us. And sometimes we don't even realize it, but they have the potential to overpower our values, to, to overpower our vows many times, our convictions, to even overpower the scripture when we see the way that we should behave, the way that we should approach things. And we know there's things that we shouldn't be doing, yet here we are doing them. And, and last week we said that the target for the home, if you, if you wanna know what the home should feel like, what the environment should be, what the target for that, for the home is, it, it, it was this. It was for unconditional love and mutual respect. If you want to know what the target is for a household, unconditional love and mutual respect. But instead of that, there exists this dysfunction that overrides all of that. And instead of unconditional love, we reject. And instead of patience, we yell. 
And instead of listening, we argue. And many times we end up just walking away. And those of us that are aware, we know a lot of it's our fault. And we wonder, what is it? Why do I keep doing that? Why do I keep falling into this? For those of us who aren't aware, we walk away blaming everyone else in the situation. If they would just, if they would just, if they would just. But we were trained to be this way. And breaking that tradition, breaking that training is a process. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna start out in Proverbs chapter 22. And then we're gonna jump over to another verse. But this passage, honestly, this passage, if you're a parent, this passage should scare you, right? Now, parents is, as that have young kids kind of love this passage because there's still like the, you know, the hope and the yes is going to happen. Parents with grown and moved out of the house kids maybe wish they'd have understood this fully a little bit sooner. Proverbs 22 says this, train up a child on the way that they should go. And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Which is a great verse because we have, we have a promise from God that is based on a principle. And the promise is absolutely wonderful, but the principle is a double-edged sword. And here's why. The promise is that, listen, if you aim your children in a certain direction, if you get them settled and you get them going the right way and you get them going, they're going to head in that direction. It's going to show up in their adulthood. Now there may be a gap from like, 16 to 22, where it doesn't look like, where they're way off the path and you don't know what's happening. But you know, but it'll get there. It'll come back. You can set an anchor that won't let them stray too far. And it'll show up in adulthood. But then there's the principle. That was the promise. But then there's the principle, which a principle is not a rule. A rule is something that is kind of arbitrarily set, and it's possible to break a rule. You cannot break a principle. You can only break yourself against principles because principles are how things operate. So here's the principle. The principle is that whatever happens in our childhood shows up in our adulthood. That's the principle. And it's a double-edged sword because that's true whether it's good in our childhood that shows up good in our adulthood or bad in our childhood that shows up as bad in our adulthood. Now, the first word of that verse is train. Train. And train is not a well-placed conversation. Train isn't like a parent that's like, okay, I see the situation unfolding before me. I'm gonna pull my child aside and we're gonna have heart to heart and I'm gonna impart this amazing bit of wisdom that throughout the rest of their life, they're always gonna be able to remember. This conversation is gonna come back to their memory and they're gonna remember these words and they're gonna do the right things. that's That's not training. That's teaching, but it's not training. But we were trained, you were trained. You were trained in how to feel about yourself. You were trained in how to deal with crisis. You were trained in how to deal with difficulties that come your way. You were trained in how to handle money, in how to carry on a conversation. You've been trained in how to handle conflict between two people. 
You've been trained in how to manage time, in what to expect of family, in how to treat people, how to be responsible. You were trained how to react to authority. All of these things you were trained in as a child. You may be thinking, well, it's funny because I don't remember my parents talking to me about any of this stuff. <laughs> Which I said, hmm, that's probably true. But you saw those things modeled, good or bad, and those things show up in your adulthood. Your parents trained you basically in three different levels. The teaching, which is just like, hey, here's, this, here's the thing you should do, and I'm going to tell you. What they modeled, that is what they did all of the time, and how they made you feel about yourself. And the second two, the modeling of how you should do things and training you and how you should be yourself are so powerful that the first one's nearly worthless. Those other two are going to be so ingrained in you that even if they pulled you aside and had told you all the right things to do, there is no way that's what's gonna show up in your adulthood because the years and years of watching them do it and how they made you feel about yourself overpowers those two things. Now, the question is, what can we do about it? Because if we have this and it's so strong and it's so ingrained and it's showing up in our adult life and it's starting to mess things up, what can we do about it? Is there anything we can do about it? The short answer is yes. The long answer is it's complicated. There, there, there's not a list of things where I could say, here's the list. You go through, check all of these off, make sure you've done them. And then all of your problems are gonna be fixed. And none of the negative traditions that have been handed down to you are going to bother you anymore. It, it just, it's not that simple. It's a process and it's gonna take effort and it's gonna be ongoing. And the thing about a process is, is that you can start the process and for a long time not see any results. You, you, can, you can be feeling you know, terrible physically and be like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start eating right and drinking lots of water. And you go a whole week and you ate perfectly and drank the exact amount of water you were supposed to drink. And you could say, I don't feel any different. Because it's a process. There's not gonna be the immediate changes. And it's gonna take effort. But for these things to work in the same way that, in the same way that if you want changing your diet to make you feel better physically, it can't just be something you check off and then are done with. The process has to become a lifestyle. So here's the beginning of the process. And for a lot of the process, the order doesn't matter. But for this one, it does. This has to go first. Because if you don't get this part of the process right at the very beginning, the rest of it will never happen. So here's, here's the beginning of the process. Refuse to excuse. Refuse to excuse. If you wanna break the traditions that have been handed down to you, you must be willing to look at yourself and stop shifting blame. Flipping over to Ephesians chapter, chapter five. Paul's writing and he says this in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. 
not as unwise, but as wise making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's a lot of trouble going on right now. Therefore, do not be foolish. You know what a fool is? In the Bible, specifically the way the word fool is used, a fool is a person who knows the difference between right and wrong and chooses to do wrong. That's a fool. They're gonna do what they wanna do, doesn't matter what the consequences. And they know everything and you can't tell them anything. You say, hey, are you you're planning on doing this? Yeah. Well, you know, if you do this, this is gonna happen. I know. Well, are you sure you want to? Yeah, I'm doing it. That's the fool. And Paul is saying, don't do that. Don't keep doing the wrong thing and then expecting something good to come out of it. Well, okay, if I'm not going to be foolish, what should I do? Here's what he says. But understand what the Lord's will is. And this verse has always been kind of weird to me because this is a really strange command. He's commanding us to understand. Right? And that, that, that's strange. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and trying to explain something and they weren't getting it? And you looked at them and said, understand, and it fixed it? Nah. If you've had that experience, I'd like to hear the story. Because that's just not how it works. If somebody doesn't get it, you can't just be like, understand. Like it reminds me of like when I was a kid and you know, we would do, did anybody like have their teachers when they were young and in school? Like when you were doing math, teachers would be like calling out students and be like, come up and do number five on the board. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody pray to God that the teacher would not call your name to come do the math problem on the board, right? Like you get up there and it's like, oh, don't call on me. Don't call on me. Don't call on me. Oh, good. Oh, well, maybe I wish it was that one because the next one, I really don't know. Don't call me on this one. Andy, please come to the board and do this one. I'm like, ah, dang it. And get up there and you know, like, have you ever like done it like real small and stood in front of it so people didn't see, <laughs> right? And you're just like, and you're kind of like trying to lean over to the other person on the board and see what's on their paper. No situation with me turning and the teacher being like, well, just understand it. No situation would that work. But yet here's Paul writing to us and giving us this weird command. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. That generally doesn't clear things up. But you know what this verse is saying? I kind of spent a lot of time wrestling with this verse. This verse is saying, face up to what you know in your heart is God's will for you. Face up to the things that you know you should be doing, right? Quit playing games, quit blaming, quit pointing fingers, quit trying to rationalize the things that you do and make you feel better about it. It's essentially Paul writing and saying, you need to grow up, grow up. Take a long, hard look in the mirror. That is you. Those words that were spoken, those were your words. You said them. 
Those actions, those were your actions. You're the one that did that. Paul is in essence saying to us, it's your fault. Face up to the way that you talk to your kids. That's your anger. Those are your words. Face up to the way that you treat your spouse. Those are your actions. Those are your reactions. Face up to the way you handle money. You're the one spending it. You're the one who's controlling where it goes. Quit making excuses. Face up to what you know God wants for your life. Because see, all of us like to blame. None of us like to feel bad knowing that we're wrong and it's our fault because it relieves the pressure that we feel if we can blame, especially if we can make it sound convincing, especially if we can convince the other person that they're the reason. Who does that take the pressure off? Because now they think it's them, right? But you and I both know that blame never leads to change. It just doesn't. And as long as you're blaming others for what you're doing, you are admitting that you do not have control of your life. That's what you're doing. When you say, well, the reason I do this is because they do that. When you say that, you're admitting somebody else controls you. Someone else controls your life. You aren't the one that's dictating what you do. And when you say, well, the reason I don't handle money better or the reason that I'm not more affectionate or the reason that I get angry or the reason I don't discipline my kids or the reason I don't, and you, whatever it is that you're justifying, those things are you. They're your words. They're your actions or lack of action. And to blame others is to abdicate control of your life. And the cruel joke of it all is that when we do that, we end up giving control of our life to people we don't even like. To people we don't even wanna be around, but yet we're allowing them to control us. God says, well, you know, things are never gonna change as long as you keep blaming because you can't change what you don't control. And that's the, that's the core root of the problem with blame. You're abdicating control. So Paul says, take a hard look in the mirror. Own your actions. Refuse to excuse them on someone else or something else. Because until you do, you are going to be locked into a generational loop that you cannot get out of any other way. And this isn't hard to understand, really. Like if I was up here and I was talking about like somebody else, you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense, right? In fact, some of you may be sitting here thinking like, oh, I know who needs to hear this, <laughs> right? Some of you got a name in your head. I know, I know. How do I know? Because when I was writing it, I had names in my head. It's natural because we all have the same issues. But this isn't about them. This is about you. And there's a couple reasons that this idea is difficult for us to grab a hold on or even really to accept the idea of because there's gonna be something in us that pushes back. And there's a couple reasons that, that happens. The first one is this. <coughs> it's because you have what you think is a really good reason for the way you behave, right? I mean, if you didn't think you had a good reason or some sort of justification for behaving the way that you behave, most likely you wouldn't behave that way. 
And it doesn't just come from nowhere. And we hide behind these reasons. We allow these reasons to keep us from changing. And we defend these reasons intellectually. But they're driven by emotion. They're emotionally driven. They're fueled by the emotions that we feel that take us back to the things that were ingrained and trained into us. And when we're in a moment where something begins to happen, those emotions begin to rise up. And when they do, we defend the action intellectually and we will argue to the end. But we know there's emotion behind it. It's driving it. And listen, if you could, and this is really, this is easy for me to sit here and say, but so difficult to actually do. If you could, in those moments, when you begin to feel those emotions rise, if you could pause in that moment, just say, God, here it comes. What is it? Help me to understand where this is coming from. Help me not to just continue in the loop and in the cycle. Help me not just operate in the traditions that have been changed into me. God, help me get through this moment. If you can do that, I mean, that's a world changer. It's really difficult, if not darn near impossible sometimes but it can be done. It can be done. And those are breakthrough moments when it comes to getting rid of the traditions that have been ingrained inside of you. Here, here's another reason why kind of maybe this whole part of the series might not sit well with some people. Is that some of you had a really good experience growing up and you have so much respect for your mother and your father, that the idea of blaming them for something or the idea of attaching to them, um, you know, th this idea that they're passing something bad down to you, like it feels like the opposite of honoring your mother and father. Like, you, you almost feel kind of dirty doing it. But listen, some of us have grown up in such a way that we are absolutely unable to see the faults in our parents and the traditions that they've handed down to us. And, and, and I can, you know, and I know like some of the pushback, like, Andrew, well, yeah, my parents weren't perfect, but like they were good people and they tried hard and they worked hard and they always provided and they did their best. And, you know, I don't, I don't blame them for anything. And, you know, I, this just feels wrong, blaming them for things that are going wrong in my life. But listen, it is not disrespectful to your parents to take a step back, evaluate your experience and see things for what they really are. And I'm not saying that your parents are bad people. Not at all, that's not what I'm saying. But until you can recognize the flaws that were handed down to you, you will never be able to recognize those flaws when you look in the mirror. And if you can't recognize them when you look in the mirror, you're never going to be able to fix them and to break out of the cycle. That those traditions, that even with the best of intentions, 
And the parents that if we were to, you know, score them on a grade card, we'd score them A plus parents can still hand down damaging traditions. And so there's this thing inside of us sometimes that when we think about like, you know, oh, things I'm going through now are my parents' fault. We want to push back. No, no, no. I want to honor my mother and honor my father. Recognizing what actually there is not dishonoring. And when it comes to the honoring or not honoring part of that, is when you begin to recognize some of the things that may have been handed down that are causing you some troubles now, is how you talk about them and handle your parents from that point forward. You can still very much honor and respect your parents. But to just turn a blind eye and say nothing bad was handed down, it makes it impossible for you to recognize the root of some of the things that you're having to deal with now. And you know, the other side of that same coin is that some of you may have had such a bad experience with parents, such a negative experience, you know, that you actually, if you were honest, you would actually say, I hate my mom or dad. And you haven't talked to them in years and you have no plans of talking to them. And you can't bear the thought that anything that was true about them is true about you as well. I mean, you can't, you, you, you spent your life trying to create the exact opposite of everything you grew up in and everything they were and you tried to distance yourself from it. And the idea of having to stand and look in the mirror and recognize that they're still a part of you. I mean, you can't stand to think about it. But let me tell you something. If you're carrying that sort of anger, I promise you, you are on your way to becoming them. And there's no way around it because anger is a form of focus and we drift towards the things we are focused on every time. And you have to acknowledge that because until you're willing to recognize them in you, no matter how much that idea might make you upset, you will just try harder and harder and make excuse after excuse after excuse. And you will not change because you're not willing to admit that what needs changed is even in you. So here's the question. And before some of you come up and ask, how did I know this about you? I, I didn't. I don't. I know this about me. And this is a human experience. It's universal. We deal with some aspect, all of us, of this issue. So the, the question is, what are the behaviors that you've been excusing? What are the things that you keep doing that you put the blame on other people or you rationalize away why it's okay? And are you willing to own those things? Are you willing to admit these are my words, my actions, my problems? To stop blaming those around you? Well, if only she or if only he or only they. Are you willing to stop and say, it's me. These are my things, my words, my issues. Because listen, as a Christian, Jesus can never be Lord of your life as long as you're blaming someone else for your behavior. And Jesus can never be in control of your life when you've given control of your life to other people. 
And we, we look at things that like we want and we think they're gonna come out of marriages and relationships. But the things that we want don't come out of those. The, the things that we want come from being connected to God. Fruit of the Spirit. Things like patience and self-control. Those things are not the result of a good marriage. See, we think the reason I'm not patient, the reason I can't control myself is because my spouse just does this and this and this and this. And if they didn't, then I would have a good marriage. And if I had a good marriage, I would have self-control and I would be patient. And nothing could be further from the truth. Those things are the result of Jesus being in control of your life. And then those things lead to good marriage. So what are the behaviors that you need to be willing to face up to? You know what we all did this morning? We all did the same thing. We all woke up. We went into the bathroom. Andy, this is church on Sunday morning. What are you getting ready to say? We turned on the light. We looked in the mirror. We didn't like what we saw. (laughs) And then we committed ourselves to staying there at the mirror and doing what we had to do to make what we saw presentable for all of us this morning to come and sit here. And for some of us, that may have taken about 15 minutes. For some of us, that may have been an hour and 15 minutes. There may be some here that are not here this morning because they never got to the point of being presentable and they just decided not to. But none of us stood and looked in the mirror and didn't like what we saw and went, honey, come here and look what the mattress did to my hair. And then when our spouse walks in, we didn't look and say, oh, and what it did to your face. We're like, we know, that's, none of us shifted the blame for our appearance onto our mattress. No, we looked. We made an honest, an honest evaluation of what we were seeing. And we did what we had to do to fix it. And that's what God is asking of us in this. When it comes to your life and the issues that you're dealing with, look in the mirror of God's word. Let the scripture shine light on it. Recognize what it is that needs fixed and take the time and work on it and don't stop working on it until it's presentable. That's what God is asking for us. He's asking for us to look at the things and just say, I refuse to make exceptions for this any longer. And God, by your power and your help, may I break this so that I do not train my child in the same thing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you for the way that your word continuously brings us back to us and you. God, it is so in our human nature to blame and to justify. But God, if we we read the scriptures and we read them honestly, this is an us issue. This is a me issue. These are my behaviors. These are my problems. Lord, I pray this week 
that you, you make these things obvious to us. When we begin to shift blame for our behavior and our words and our reactions, when we begin to justify the things that we're doing that we know are not in your will for us to be doing, God, may you make it obvious to us. May we feel embarrassed of the things that we're doing. And then God, give us the courage and the wisdom to face up to those things and begin to do the work of breaking those habits, breaking those traditions so that we do not hand them down to yet another generation. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and for your grace. In your name, amen. And thank you so much for being out. Look forward to next week as we continue on talking about being behind family lines. It's a beautiful-